Greetings, friends. So good to be with you. What an honor it is. Um, first off, this is weird. Like, I'm your pa new pastor. Like, what a, <laughs> what a weird thing. What a cool thing. What a fun thing. How excited. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you, bro. What an exciting thing. Um, we're still in transition. It's a wild time. I'm busy writing papers and finishing school and stuff like that. So my life is a little wild right now. But I'm excited to be with you guys in, in August. It's going to be good times. <clears throat> Another note I was thinking was when Michael was like, you know, we'll throw out all the stops. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring all the gifts. I was like, oh, man, you're going to give me gifts to come here? Like, I was expecting some sort of like, uh, it almost made me think of like, I'm going to roll up and Michael's going to be like, welcome to Keene. Here's a new car. <laughs> <laughs> a billion dollars. <laughs> so I know that's not going to happen, but I'll pray about it. We'll see what God can do. <laughs> well, um, what an honor it is. Today, I want to talk to you about bread. I want to talk to you all about bread. As you know, we've been in uh, uh, the series uh, called As It Is. Pastor Michael's been leading us through all about prayer as Jesus walks through what's come to be known as the Lord's prayer. But today, I'd like to talk about bread. And so to talk about bread, we're going to start with a little bread quiz. This quiz is called, Do You Know What Type of Bread This Is? So first, first image of bread. Can we have that up on the screen? I want you to guess what type of bread this is. Someone raise their hand and give me a guess. What type of bread do you think? Or, or you can just shout it out. You can shout it out. Wheat. Wheat. It's not wheat. It's, it's not rye. Pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. Christian got it. Nice. Yes. One point, for, one point for Christian. Pumpernickel. Okay. Bread number two. What is the... Oh, wait. What is... Sourdough? Is that, is that your final answer? It's, you, feel, you seem really confident. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's sourdough. Uh, and the final one. French. Okay. Yeah. That one's, that one's kind of a, a giveaway. That one's easy. That one's easy. Well, I feel like I, I kind of wanted to get, do this little quiz to get our wheels turning on bread. Because isn't bread great? Don't you just love bread? It's just calories. It's just carbs. It feels good in the stomach. Well, sometimes. Sometimes it creates some bloating, maybe. Uh, if you're gluten-free, any gluten-free friends in the room? Okay. Okay, there's a few for my gluten-free friends. I actually, I want to be like you, it, but it's so hard to leave the bread behind. It's so hard to leave it behind. But today is all about bread. And uh, you can probably tell which, which, uh, which part of the Lord's Prayer we're going to be in today. So let's, uh, let's read the verse for today, found in Matthew chapter 6. It's really simple, really short. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to dive right in. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. We pray one more time. There's already been prayer today, God, but we pray one more time. I pray one more time just to slow down for a moment, to remember that you're here, that your presence is a promise, that you're with us. And God, I just ask you a journey, that you would speak, that I would listen, that we would listen. We would all have ears to hear. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we have a lot to move through, so I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to be speedy. We're going to zoom. Uh, Jesus is teaching us how to pray where we find ourselves in the text. He's teaching us how to pray. And he's already painted for us two very vivid images. The first one, vivid, powerful, rich. God, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is in heaven and his name is holy. This is vivid. It's rich, meaningful, powerful. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Also rich, vivid, powerful, meaningful. And we 
Now he comes to a third prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a short verse, but it's also rich. And so what I've, I've done is I've sliced this. verse. I'm, I'm essentially treating this verse like the verse itself is a loaf of bread. And I've sliced the verse into three slices. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to work through those three slices together. One, two, three. If you're keeping track of time, you're trying to figure out where we are. That's how you can know. And uh, we're just going to move just like that. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's rock and roll. Um, story time. So my dad has this uncanny ability. My dad's a bit of a, a, a weird, funny, awesome guy. He has, he has this uncanny ability of, number one, just like meeting strangers and befriending them no matter where he is. Number two, getting free stuff for no reason. I remember there was this time where my dad, he, he came home and he just had this big, like, box full of like grapes and we're like yo what are you doing with this big fox full of grapes he's like oh yeah this lady was she was like you know in the parking lot and she said i accidentally bought this box of grapes and could you want it and he was like yeah and so this all this type of stuff always happens to my dad he always either like runs into people that he knows randomly he gets free stuff for no reason all sorts of things like that i remember there's one time we were moving across the entire country from uh from uh, Michigan to the West Coast. We're, we stopped up at a, at a little park in, uh, I think it was North Dakota, just like this little park. And we're walking along this path and there's this little like river there. And there's a couple people kayaking on this river. And all of a sudden we're walking past and this guy, one of the kayakers, he turns towards us. He like shades his eyes and he's like, Wally, my dad's name is Wally. He's like, Wally, this is in the middle of North Dakota. No. We had no plan to meet anyone, to connect with anyone. This random man on a river in North Dakota knew my dad somehow. And my dad's like, hey, Doug. And he just, he just knew him somehow. They, they, they had a connection. So this type of stuff always happens to my dad. One of the things that, that, always, that always happens to him is when he gets free stuff, he always would bring it home when we were, when we were young. And so I remember every time my, uh, my brother and sister and I, I'm the oldest of three, my brother and sister and I, we would hear the car pull up that door closed and the jingle of the keys were like, oh snap, now is the moment. You know, so we'd run through the house and we'd land right in front of the door as he's opening the door. And the question on our lips was, so what did, you know, what did you bring? Where's the goods? We're, we're here for that bread, metaphorically. We're ready for what you have to give us. We were excited. We had anticipation. And if I were to try and put a synthesize that feeling that we felt was we had this expectation of him that he was bringing good things simply because of who he was simply because of who he was it was like an event when he when he arrived home we're like oh snap dad's gonna be home and he's gonna have something good and this seems to be jesus's starting point with this verse give us this day our daily bread this seems to be where jesus is starting he he start, he seems to be starting from the place of assuming that god is someone good that god is someone that even worth asking for bread in the first place this seems to be his starting point he's making an assumption about the character of god and so this sounds simple <clears throat> this sounds simple but it's surprisingly difficult i think for us making this assumption about God, that God is good. It sounds, sounds simple, right? It's something we, we say all the time in church. God is good all the time. God is good. Have you sat God is good. Um, but I think it's actually difficult for us because I think there's a part of us doubting God's goodness 
is actually deep within the human condition. And how do I know this? Well, for many talks with people, and maybe you've even been in this place yourself in your life, when you go through something really difficult, something painful, perhaps the question that arises that comes up is, if God is so good, then why did he allow this, right? That's the question. If God is good, why did he allow this to happen? If God is good, why is my mom sick again? If God is so good, what's going on with the immigration papers? How come it's not working? If God is so good, why am I struck? If God is so good, why does it seem like everything's falling apart? And so what I wanna do first of all is number one, just validate that question. If you've ever been in that place, if you've ever been in that space, if maybe you're in that moment right now, you're questioning, you're asking, man, God, I know you're good. I, I believe that you're good. I want to believe that you're good. I've been taught that you're good, but life isn't telling me that you're good. I just wanna validate. I just wanna say, I think that's very human. I think that's very human and natural and normal to have that reaction. And I don't think God's mad or, or offended that that's your reaction is to ask that question. I think God is big enough to handle that question. We don't have to be afraid to ask him that question. And then number two, I'd like to submit to you that this question runs deep all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the garden. Now, let's talk about the garden real quick. God creates in Genesis chapter one, right? He creates this world that's beautiful, bountiful, generous. There's more than enough for everyone. And he creates these humans in his image to be rulers of this world, to take care of it, to take the world somewhere, to be cultivators, to be fruitful and multiply. But then in enters a character, the serpent. In Genesis chapter three, if you're familiar, in enters a character, the serpent. And the serpent comes along and he has an interesting conversation with the humans, right? He has this conversation with, with Eve, the woman. He says, did God really say that you can not eat from any tree in the garden? Which already isn't true because God said they could eat from all the trees except for one. And so Eve corrects him. She's like, no, we can eat from all the trees of the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If we eat of it, we'll surely die. And then to which the serpent says, hmm, it's almost like, you know, he's like, no, that's a little sus. That's not true. He's, uh, he's casting doubt on the character of God, right? That's what he's doing. He's saying, is that really what God is like? Can God really be trusted? Is he actually good? And those of us who we've grown, in, grown up in Adventist spaces, we've gone to Adventist school or we've been to Adventist church or we're in this space right now, a lot of us are familiar with the term, the great controversy. And I would submit to you that this, this term, the great controversy, the central question of this, of this term is, is God good and can he actually be trusted? Is God good and can he be trusted? This is the central conflict of the great controversy. What is God actually like? Is he good? Is he just a power hungry manipulator? Is he holding something back? Is he keeping us from something good or is he actually generous? Has he given everything? And so this is the question I believe that Jesus is actually addressing with this part of the prayer. And it seems like he does this because this accusation that the serpent makes, that God isn't actually good, God's just manipulating you. God isn't actually good, he's actually hiding some goodness from you. He's keeping something from you. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from this tree. That's why he doesn't want you to do certain things. That's why he doesn't want you to cross these boundaries because he's, he's hiding some sort of joy from you that you could otherwise have for yourself. 
It's a compelling argument. It feels a little compelling. But I believe this accusation that God isn't actually good, it's especially compelling when we've been through pain, right? It's especially compelling when, when we've been through something really, really difficult. I experienced this myself. And I, something I want you all to know about me, I'm a, I'm a pretty open book, super open book. Um, you know, I'm, I kind of like to say, ask me any question. I'm super down to talk about it. I've learned over the years, <laughs> boundaries are also important too, you know, to not overshare. So I've learned, I learned about that as I've gotten older and hopefully matured a little bit more. But I like to be super, super open book. And that's my plan to be as one of your pastors is to be an open book, to share parts of my life. And so I'd like to do that, a piece of it now. A few years ago, uh, I went through a divorce. With, uh, with my wife, we were married for uh, about almost four years. And um, if we ever talk one-on-one, I'm super down to tell more of the story. Um, again, super open, willing to talk about it. But uh, something that happened kind of in the aftermath of that was a couple years after the divorce, I was in a relationship. And you ever been in a relationship where you, you know that it's not it? The, this, this, this is not it. And the, for me, the reason it wasn't it wasn't anything to do with this, this person. She was fantastic, an amazing human, but she didn't have the faith element. And again, I didn't judge her for that, but I, faith is the most important part of my life. And so I felt as if I knew in my heart that this wasn't what God had for me. But the problem was she was so fantastic and I'm just feeling my chest. I'm realizing there's a button here that's not. So let me just pause to, because how weird would that be if I just continued with an open button? <laughs> okay, we're good. We're safe. Um, so I was in this relationship. She's fantastic, but she doesn't believe in Jesus. And I remember feeling this sort of disconnect as I'm like, ah, oh, everything else is so great. She's so great. She's so fun. We have great conversations. We connect intellectually. There's that chemistry there. We, we have a same like path in life and same things that we care about, same passions, same goals. Um, but she didn't believe in Jesus. And so I knew God was sort of revealing to me over time, man, this is not it. But I was resistant. I was super resistant because I'm like, but God, she's fantastic though. How am I ever gonna meet someone as fantastic? And really where that, come, really where that came from, that, that not trusting God, because that's really what it was, was like, God, I don't really trust you to bring someone as awesome as her in my life again. And the reason is because when I went through my divorce and I remember every single day, praying, God, could you, could you heal this? Could you do a miracle? Could you change me? Could you change my heart? Could you change her heart? Could you make something work? Could you, could you, could you create resurrection? I prayed this for every day for over a year. Had all my friends praying, all my family, my whole network. Like, God, could you do something miraculous? And he didn't. And to be honest, I felt like God let me down for a long time. I, fe- I felt as if, God, you said you were good and then you were not. And I know that you're good because you've done miracles in the past in my life. That's when it's really hard, right? When you've seen God in the past show up, but then for this thing, he doesn't. That's when it's hard. That's when it hits. And that's what it was for me because I've seen, you know, I have plenty of stories I could tell. I'm sure we'll get to them at some point. But God, God has been active and present in my life miraculously. And so I'm like, God, don't, don't play around because I know you're real. Don't pretend. I know that you're real. I know that you're legit. I know that you're present. I know that you do miracles. So why not this thing, the thing that I prayed and begged for the most? But I remember I was having a conversation with my, one of my best friends, Ben. 
uh, one night, because I'm dealing with this, I'm like, God, I don't trust you to bring someone as awesome as this, you know, this girl in my life. Uh, so I can't break up with her because I, I just don't really think I trust you enough. I have to make this with my own power uh, happen. And my friend Ben said to me, why don't you believe that God wants your joy for you even more than you want it for yourself? Why don't you believe that God actually, the things that you want, your joy, your deepest heart's desires, that God actually wants those more than you do even for yourself? And I remember being so hit by that, so, so wrecked by that because I, I, I realized, oh man, that's true. I don't believe that about God. And you know, Ben is awesome. He's, a, he's, one, of, he's one of my best friends. He's a super silly guy. He's like, it makes sense because you went through something really, really hard, but don't let that harden your heart. And so I, I want to submit that to you. Perhaps some of us today, we've gone through hard things and it's easy to let those things harden the heart because life is hard. <laughs> it's easy to, let, to, to become a little calloused but I think the invitation that Jesus is making to us, man, don't let those things harden your heart. To start from a place that God is actually good, that he wants my joy for me even more than I do, and that he wants to give good things to me. Now, this is hard, and this is, this is actually, frankly, this is a journey, I think. It's a bit of a journey, uh, but I think it's an invitation to at least begin when we pray our prayers from a place of remembering, okay, I'm gonna start, God, I'm gonna start from this place. You're actually good. That, that you're, you, you actually want, you, you understand my heart says that you're, you're not disconnected, that you actually know what I crave, what I need, and that you wanna you want give me what I need. So that's the first, that's the first one. We're gonna, we're gonna blaze through the rest. That one's the longest. We're gonna blaze through the rest. Number two, this day. First one was give us. Second one, this day. Day. A little bit more of my story. Uh, my family, my parents are immigrants. They came from the Caribbean and uh, they, they immigrated to Canada before I was born. And then that's where I was born. I'm Canadian and uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a permanent resident though of the US. So I got myself a little green card. Maybe some of you will also have a little green card. The green card is not green. Isn't that weird? <laughs> well, parts of it are green. Uh, I just got the updated one and parts of it are green. So I was like, oh, I'll allow it. Uh, but my parents immigrated to Canada. Then they, um, that's where I was born. And then my dad, he had, he had left college uh, when he was younger, uh, but he felt the call to be a pastor. So he, uh, he's like, okay, I think we're gonna move back to the States and I'm gonna be a pastor. I'm gonna follow this, this, uh, this call. But because of that, my parents struggled with visa issues. Maybe some of you know about visa issues as, as, being, as an immigrant. So because of that, my dad was on a student visa. He had limited thing, hours that he could work. And then my mom couldn't work at all. So it was rough times for our family. Um, and I can share a little bit more about that later. We, you know, we would go on to be in and out of homelessness for a time and just like a real, real struggle. But I remember there was a moment where we got together and my dad gathered us in the living room and he said, there's no food left in the house. So we need to pray. Now I was blessed, maybe some of you are blessed in this way. I was blessed to have parents that had a vibrant faith who believed that God actually showed up in the real world. And I was really blessed in that way. So my dad said, hey, when things are falling apart, we pray, that's what we do. So he would gather us in the living room, we'd all get on our knees, you know, I was a lot shorter back then. <laughs> and we'd get on our knees and my dad would, he would lead us in prayer. He would say, God, we don't, we don't have any food and we don't have any money to buy food, but we trust you. We trust that you're gonna provide. 
And it was crazy. The, the number, you know, as I was saying earlier, the number of miracles that we saw, people would leave anonymous bags of bean, beans on our doorstep and rice on our doorstep and, and ramen. It was, you know, it was a foreshadowing to my college days. <laughs> some, of you, some of you have lived that life or you're living that life currently. Uh, there's nothing wrong with ramen. Ramen is so good. Okay, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get sidetracked. But ramen is good. Uh, we would get beans, we would get rice, we would get all these, this food left anonymously on our doorstep. And then all of a sudden, this check started showing up. Anon- again, anonymous, $250 in, in the mailbox with, with, with no sender every single month for over six months continuously out of nowhere. To this day, my parents, I was talking to my mom about this last night, just trying to confirm the details. To this day, they, they still don't know who did that. Six months, $250. And so in this way, I saw that God is actually present, not only somewhere distant in the future, but he's actually present now. And for some, sometimes I think it's easy for us because we're Adventists, it's in the name. We believe in the Advent. We believe that one day the return, right, will come. But sometimes I think it's easy for us because we emphasize someday, we forget that God wants to be present for this day. That God, God's actually present today. And I, I think it's, it's, it's easy for us to, uh, to believe that God will maybe one day show up, uh, that, that you know, one day things will be taken care of, but that he's not, he, he, he doesn't actually care about what's happening right now for you in your life, your story, your moment. Sometimes I think we, we end up like Mary, uh, right um, after Lazarus died, right? She's, when Jesus arrives, she's like, man, if you had come sooner, my brother would not have died. And that whole, man, that whole story is a whole sermon in and of itself. Cause Jesus, you know, Jesus, remember what Jesus says? He says, it was good for you that I was not here. Well, that's a whole sermon. We don't have time. We don't have time. It was good for you that I was not here. But she says, when Jesus says, you know, do you believe that, that he can be resurrected? Mary says, yes, I know, Lord, that one day at the resurrection, he'll be resurrected. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He, he, Jesus was there to do the miracle today like that day, that moment. But she's thinking, yeah, I know that one day our hopes will be filled. But Jesus is like, nah, I'm here for today. So I think the invitation for this one is, man, the trust that God is actually present. That he's actually with us, that he, he wants, he's interested in helping. He's interested in being. I think this is important because my intuition is, uh, a lot of us have experienced maybe something like Mary, that we've reached out to God when things are tough and it seems like he's silent. It seems like he's missing. It seems like he's absent. It seems like he's just aloof. He's gone. He's, he's, he's silent. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to discount the experience of praying and it feeling like God is answering, that he hears, that he listens because I've experienced that as well. But I think off, on the, the other side of the coin is sometimes we pray, it feels like, man, God, where are you? It feels like I'm talking to nothing. It feels like there's a brick wall. It feels like I prayed and then it seemed like you didn't show up. What's What's going on? And I think a lot of the times it's, it's really uh, discouraging and disappointing sometimes because we're like, man, God, where, where are you? A quote that's really helped me is actually by, uh, help me with this, this kind of discouraging feeling is uh, one of, by one of my professors at Andrews University, Dr. Alan Walsh. He's fantastic. He's a little old man. He rings a little bell in class. Uh, he's great. He's like a little, you know, he's like a Gandalf character. <laughs> And uh, I, I think he'd be okay with me saying that. <laughs> and uh, something that he said in class one, one, one time was, God does not answer prayer. He answers your whole life. Now, what does this mean? 
What does this mean? This means sometimes the way God answers prayer is not in light of the things that we think we need, but in light of the things that he knows we need. This is like my friend Jesse, who just, he just had his second child, uh, but he, he, uh, he has a two-year-old, and uh, he was just telling me this past week, he was, he was saying, sometimes my two-year-old thinks she wants something, like she'll see like, you know, like a knife and she'll try and grab it. She'll be like, I want that, I want that. And he's like, no, you, you don't. You actually don't even know that you don't want that because you don't realize you'll hurt yourself with that. You don't realize that's not what you think it is when she reaches for the hot burner. He's like, no, you, you actually don't want that. And I think that's what this quote is getting at, that we don't actually even, God actually knows what we want even more than we do. So therefore, when we pray, sometimes we pray for things and God's like, no, because you think you want that. But what I want for you is better. And this is the story of Mary. She's like, yes, God, I just wanted you to heal him. Or I just want one day in the resurrection. And Jesus is like, no, I want the full resurrection. Not just the heal, I want the full resurrection. So oftentimes where we just want healing, God wants total resurrection. But that's hard for us because our view is limited. There's too much. I got to move on. I got to move on. So the invitation, right, is to trust, is to trust, maybe trust again. And I guess I want to speak maybe to anyone who has felt this disappointment, because I have been there, as, as I've shared. To anyone who has felt this disappointment or who's in a moment where you're just like, man, God, where are you? <laughs> to maybe trust again one more time to say, God, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try and solve it on my own. I'm not gonna try and do it. And maybe you won't do it in the way that I expect. Maybe you won't show up in the way that I, that I want you to, but I'm gonna trust that you will show up because I'm believing that you're actually good, that you actually want for me more, like you, you want my joy more than I even do. We're gonna move on. Last one, last but not least, daily bread. Daily bread. So when Jesus says, he gets to this part, the very last portion, our daily bread, what we realize is he's actually speaking to a Jewish audience, right? So when a Jewish audience hears the, the, the terms, our daily bread, instantly their mind is thinking back to the Exodus, right? They're thinking back to manna in the wilderness, this bread that came daily, this weird sort of, you know, stuff that fell on the ground. They're thinking back to their ancestors who experienced this. And the story that we find is in Numbers uh, Numbers 11, the Israelites, they've been in a wilderness state for a while. They've already been journeying where we pick up in, the, in this story in the, book, in the book of Numbers. And God has actually already been providing manna for them for a while. And they're actually getting tired of it. Now, this is interesting because I think we experience this as well too. God has provided everything they need, but they want something else. And the text says, now the rabble that was among them they had a strong craving and the people of Israel wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. They're craving all of the things from their old identity, all of the things from slavery and death. They're craving, man, remember what it was like when we were slaves <laughs> and we had but at least we had meat to eat. There's a whole nother sermon in there as well 
about craving the old life, craving what is dead. But really what is happening here is they're complaining. And then Moses, he's like, okay, I'm gonna take your complaint to God. And Moses goes to God and he's like, what am I supposed to do with these people? They're complaining, they're complaining. It's it's difficult. God's like, I'm gonna send them quail, no problem. So God sends them quail, a lot of quail. Like when you read the measurement of quail, it's like three feet of quail from from the ground to the top, a lot, a lot of quail. And they like gorge out on this quail. They're like, bet, this is the best thing ever. Like I'm about to go ham on this quail. So they all go ham on this quail and they get super sick. They actually, a plague is released. Because they've eaten all this quail, they all get sick and a lot of them die. And there's a really interesting verse at the very end. This is verse 34. It says, therefore, the name of that place was called Kibroth Hatava because there they buried the people who had the craving. And the story teaches us many things. But I think first and foremost, it teaches us that God is both totally willing to be everything we need and totally willing to let us replace him. He'll he'll let us have what we want, even if it's not him. He respects our choice that much. He loves us that much. He will not force. And I talked a little bit about this in my last sermon when I was here. God will not force us to love him. This is like core, this is actually the reason I'm an Adventist, to be honest because of this picture of a God who will never force us to love him. He is totally willing to provide everything we need to be everything, but he also will respect if we say, God, I don't want your provision. I want something else. I wanna do it. Or I, I, I remember the meat back when I was a slave. When we have cravings for other things that aren't him, God, God respects that, he says, okay. But the irony is often, at least I've found in my life, when I've said, God, I don't want your provision. I'm gonna do it my own way. Almost every time it just ends in my own pain. Almost every time it ends in my own heartache. Almost every time it ends in my own anxiety. Cause then I feel like I have to carry it, right? Then you have that anxiety weighing on your heart. Cause then you have to be your own God. And so I think the invitation here is really what the invitation has been the whole time. Just to trust, to come back to trust, to believe that God actually wants my good. So a prayer that I've been, I've been praying that I'm, I wanna pray over you, that I wanna invite maybe you to pray, is to say, God, show me the places where I'm trying to provide what you've already promised. Show me the places where I'm trying to bake my own bread. Show me the places where I'm trying to, I'm in the kitchen, I'm trying to be the chef. When, when you've already promised, I'm the chef. I own the whole house, the whole house is yours. And sometimes I think we're like, we're like the second son in the prodigal son story, where he's like, what about my party? You never cut the, the fatted calf for me. And the father's like, my son, didn't you, know, didn't you know that everything I have is yours? That you could have asked any time for anything and I would have given everything. You don't have to ask for bread. You need a loaf of bread. You're a son in the house. You're a child in the house. 
You don't have to beg. It's yours already. Sometimes I forget that, I think we forget this, that God is actively willing to be everything we need. It may not look like what we expect or what we want or the way that we want it. Mary learned this, right? But in the end, I have found in my life that what God gives is always better than what I can forgive for myself. So I'm gonna pray this over you. Then we're gonna sing another song. And I wanna invite you, perhaps, maybe in the quietness, maybe of the next song, put a hand on your heart. If that's you, if maybe you need a return, just say to God, God, I've been, I've been trying to bake my own bread or I've been trying to get the meat from somewhere else, but I want you, I want your daily bread, no one else. So let's pray, I'm gonna pray over you. God, the sermon went a little long today, but I think it's because we needed to linger in this space because I know a few of the stories in the room already that we are carrying heavy things. But God, you have said that you will be our provision. You will be our daily bread. And so that's what we all pray to, together as a family, God, that you would give us this day our daily bread, that you would give us what we need. And we pray this in expectation and faith from a starting point of knowing that, God, you're good, that you want our joy more than we even do. And we pray this reminding ourselves of your love for us, that we don't have to beg, but that you wanna give us everything we need. We thank you, we praise you, all in the name of Jesus, amen.